everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I will say something about the cold because I do not like the cold. I very much dislike the cold. Uh, I, I woke up this morning and realized that Georgia did cold. They did winter like I used to do book reports in fifth grade. Like they waited till the last day and then just got it all in in one night. It wasn't the best they could do, but it was still pretty good. <laughs> I woke up seeing my breath this morning. I was like, what just happened in Georgia? <laughs> so uh, that did catch me off guard, <laughs> but um, praise God we're not doing the triple digits. If you would this morning, uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings. We're going to be in chapter 5. That'll be 2 Kings chapter 5. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to let you know I'm going to read the whole chapter. And, and this is a narrative in 2 Kings. And so we're going 1 through 27. And I really am going to take some of this story and bring out some foundational principles for us. Uh, and I, I, it's not going to make sense if we don't have the whole story. So I'm going to take time to read it. Starting in 2 Kings chapter 5 in verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Take note of that. Because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took from the, to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters in Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Now Naaman's servants went up to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God 
he stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. And the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple at Ramon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, I bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, now my master was easy on Naaman, this Armenian, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and I will get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Everything's all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say two young men from the company of the prophets have just come down from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the, way, the men away and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money? to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, men servants, or maid servants. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. If you would this morning, pray for me as I, I pray for myself and we're gonna get into this is so rich and, and I just, I'm gonna take, I wanna pray, um, pray for me. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Uh, it's with a sober humility that I stand here proclaiming your word, knowing that nothing profitable can come forth from me without your, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, empower me, anoint me with clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Allow me to bring truth to your word, Father God, may prepare our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. And we would know that we've heard from you, not from a man, not from a church, from you, God. You, Lord, are why we're here. We honor you and praise you. And thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. On the bright side, I got a killer case of cotton mouth for some reason, so this will go great. <laughs> now, the reason I spent the time to read this entire chapter 
is because I want us thinking of the examples in this story with regard to humility and with regard to pride. The humility of a young girl that was taken from her land but submitted to her master, hey, if you'll just go see the prophet in Samaria, you'll be cured of your leprosy. The pride of a great man, a great commander, a conqueror, a man that knew he would get his king's blessing. The humility of a king who knew he wasn't God. The humility of a servant of God, the word of God, a prophet of God that refused to accept gifts so that all glory could be pointed to God and the pride of a servant of that man that made him run after Naaman and say, hey, let me get some of that. By the grace of God, today's sermon is titled, Wash and Be Cleansed. Wash and Be Cleansed. Now, pride and humility, they are at war within us. We, we have to be intentional in our surrender to God, in our confrontation of pride when we see it in our life. We have to surrender to God completely for humility to be victorious, for us to walk in true, humble nature before God and before man. Has anyone here ever tried to willpower pride out of your life? Like Pastor John teaches us, willpower just works till it doesn't, right? And then if it does work, how much more proud would you be? I conquered pride. I feel like that's almost counterintuitive, right? Like, look at me, big man on campus now, conquered pride. Bring it on, what's next? Pride and humility are the same, are, are two different sides of the same coin. And what I mean by that, if you have a traditional coin, not a trick coin, and you flip it, either heads is going to be facing up or tails is going to be facing up. Pride and humility are the same way in our life as we walk on display for the world because we profess Christ, right? So are we showing the world pride or are we showing them humility? Because for one to increase, the other has to decrease. For all my engineers and linear thinking people, they share an inverse correlation. As one increases, the other decreases. You can't, you can't be full of pride and full of humility. You can be full of pride and full of false humility. There's a trap there. The stakes are too high for us to disregard the impact that pride can have on our relationship with each other and on our relationship with God, on our fellowship with God, on the way we witness and are ambassadors and representatives of Christ in the world. The stakes are too high. They're eternal. C.S. Lewis says, you have never met a mere mortal in your whole life. Every person you've ever seen has a spirit that's gonna live forever in one of two places. And the resplendent glory of the lamb are under the righteous judgment and wrath of God. Much more can be said about pride than what we're gonna address today. But what I want to do is bring out just a few handles. What I want when you leave here is, is to be convicted, confirmed, and have something that you can point to and say, okay, I'm seeing that in my life. I'm gonna deal with that. 
Number one, if you're taking notes. Pride disagrees with God. When Jesus was asked which commandment was the greatest, he responded in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're like, oh, that just simplified everything. Do you understand the depth of what Jesus just said? All the law and all the prophets hang on that. If you break up the Ten Commandments, there's one set deals with our relationship with God and one set deals with our relationship with each other. And if I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that I am, I will have no other false gods. I will not take his name in vain. I will not do the things that disrespect him. If I love my neighbor as I love myself, I won't murder him. I won't bear false witness against him. And this implies these two simple commandments, love God and love people is the way we like to sum it up, sums up everything, all the law and all the prophets are there. We, we don't dispense with the responsibility of being a representation for Christ because he made it concise for us. And notice that when Jesus addresses this, he doesn't say anything about self. When he was asked what the greatest of all commandments was, it wasn't be successful, be self-made, be self-righteous, be independent, be self-confident. He didn't point to self. He pointed first to God, and then as that relationship with God is deepened and strengthened, it will impact your relationship with people. So we have our vertical relationship with God, our horizontal relationship with people, and he addressed both of those just like that. In totality, he didn't mention self. Now, pride is only going to view your options and your decisions that you make through the lens of self. It's the I, me, my, mine words, mentality, entitlement. Pride speaks the language of self. Now, before we get into some sort of dried up legalism and we, we say, oh, I'm gonna strike all those words from my vocabulary. That's, it's not the words, it's the attitude behind the words that make them pride. It's, the, it's I, who did that? I did that, think greatly of me. Who, who's, whose car is this? Mine. See, see my status symbol right there? That's mine. Those are my grades on the top of the roster. Now, see, we can get distracted here because these words often bring pride, but they can be neutral. Somebody can say, hey, it, uh, who did that? And you say, hey, I did it. You know, you're not looking for any compliment or whatever. It can be neutral. It can be humble. You know, well, who's is, whose car is that, man? Oh, it's mine. It's not the words. It's the attitude behind them that says, I'm great. Look at me. I'm somebody. And it disagrees 100% with God. It disagrees 
with the gospel. It disagrees 100% with the special revelation of scripture. Because in my Bible, it says I was dead in my trespass and sin, hopeless, cut off, condemned, rightfully judged. But pride would slip in and tell me that I'm somebody and God should be glad that I'm playing for his team. It ain't about you. If God can deliver a word through a donkey, I submit to you, he's gonna be able to get it done. Are you gonna humble yourself and agree with him, walk with him, be obedient to him? Because everywhere that pride rules, that I, me, mine, my, I'm somebody, me and my friends do this, Everywhere that that rules, you'll, you'll hear those words. But not every time those words are spoken, pride is not always on the throne. I just want to make that clear so we don't stand up some false doctrine of like, we're taking them out of the dictionary. We don't need to do that. We need to address the attitude of pride, the, the, the demon of pride, the deceptive spirit of pride that will come in and sit on the throne of your life. Pride disagrees with God. Jesus says to surrender. Pride will tell you to stand strong. I was a Marine. The few. The, the Marines. We're going to stand strong. They teach in the Marines. It doesn't matter. If you got to pick up a rock and you're fighting somebody with dental floss, it doesn't matter. Like, you... You're going to fight till they ain't, they ain't taking me nowhere alive. I'll take off my helmet and fight. I don't, I don't care what it is. I'm throwing, if I got a peppermint, I'm going to make a shank out of it real quick. Like, we, it's going down. We somebody. Jesus says surrender. We say stand strong, self-reliant, adapt and overcome. Jesus says lose your life. Pride says you must Live your best life. The best out here of the world is mine. I deserve that. I'm somebody. Jesus says, deny yourself. Pride says, you only live once, so treat yourself. I deserve. YOLO. Hashtag blessed. Jesus says to crucify the flesh. Pride says to glorify the flesh. Get people looking at you. Spend money on elective surgery so that more people will think you're cool and you're attractive. Pride, pride of life. Pride, the thing that put the enemy, Satan, in disagreement with God. The reason he was judged and cast out of heaven. Pride that says, I'm somebody, pride that exalts the flesh. Pride exhorts us all to build these shrines to ourselves on social media. We use filters, we use, because I, I gotta look the best. I gotta have my best car right here with my best stuff. I gotta erase out the double chin and I gotta, you know what I mean, get the right angle and 
and pride and I'm going to stand up this shrine to myself and I'm going to invite all my friends over to worship me and I'll be validated when they come by my shrine that I built to myself and give me thumbs up and hearts and I'm somebody exalted in my own flesh that's pride before you write me at pastor john wood at christchapelmaking.com i'm not saying that you can't have facebook i'm not saying that you can't celebrate victories or be happy that you have been that you have something nice I'm not saying you got to drive hoopties all the time then and live a Franciscan monk lifestyle to be stripped of pride but if you find in your heart that that vehicle and those pictures and those follows and those likes and all of that stuff has usurped the place of God Almighty in the throne room of your life then get rid of it I would rather live the bare bones life. I would rather drive the hoopty than to walk in the fullness of this world and be absent from the presence and glory of God. Some of us don't have that stuff because our character can't handle it. Don't wish to be somebody else because the thing that they can walk in might kill you. I don't have a business mind. That's the thing I can't figure out. I buy high, sell low. I'm horrible at business. Can't figure it out. Lose money all the time. But I figure I'm so, I go after something so hard that if I had a business mind, God, I might've died in my trespassing sin. So I don't remain ignorant, you know, I've matured and learned a few things and I try not to be a fool with my money but I don't covet the fact that I got a brother right here that can do numbers in his head like rain man and be like if you buy this sell that do this it boom made 10 grand and I'm like I, I don't what'd you say how'd you do you pay taxes on that like I, I appreciate that I, I want to learn from that but I can't get distracted by that and elevate that because if I pursue that with everything I have, it will be to the leanness of my spirit and at the detriment of my relationship to God. And that's what's important. Because when I'm in heaven, walking on streets of gold in the resplendent glory of the Lord God Almighty, I will not remember that I didn't have a 2025 F-250 6.7 liter diesel I'll be in the presence of God. But pride here could rob me of my, my time. It, pride here can steal something from me that I could take there because I just, that pride got in the way of me storing up my treasure there. And I was so concerned about storing up my treasure here on this conveyor belt that's heading towards the furnace. And I'm holding on so, so tightly, I can't let go and I follow it right into the furnace. Pride disagrees with God. When, Ta- when Naaman was told to go brave, bathe in the Jordan by Elisha's messenger, 
pride disagreed. He went away angry. He, he even said, like, pride came out right off the rip. He was like, yo, I thought you were going to come out here. Surely the man himself would come. He would come out and stand before me, call on the name of his Lord, wave his hand over this spot, cure me. He's going to come out and see me. I'm somebody. Haven't you heard? The king sent me with a letter. I'm such a gracious master that the girl we robbed from y'all, she, she's concerned about my health. She said, hey, you could be cured if you'll just go see the man of God, the prophet in Samaria. That's how good I am. I'm a great man. I'm a victorious man. I'm a strong man. I'm a man bring, bringing gifts. Come recognize this. You backwoods hillbilly living in a cave in Samaria, don't you see these shekels of silver and gold, these garments that you could never dream of? Don't you see what I bring to you? And then you're going to tell me to go bathe in Jordan? You're going to tell me to go down to that canal. I know what y'all do in that water. You're going to tell me to go down there and bathe seven times, the number of completion. I'm going to go bathe seven times in that water. Dude, you got me messed up. I'm naming. Hadn't you heard? You better check my war report, player. Naaman scorned the waters of Israel. They had no value in his sight. He'd just been dissed by the man of God that he had traveled such a great distance to come see. He came with a letter from his king, with all these gifts, with a name of renown and reputation, and he got sent to voicemail. A messenger came out and told him what the word of God was. I don't know about you, but I figured out that when you call somebody and it rings twice and the voicemail comes on, they hit the talk to you later button. I don't know if y'all figured that out. If you haven't, surprise, they're doing that on purpose. I'll call my wife, ring, ring, boop voicemail. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, no, she didn't send me to voicemail. That's my wife. I'm calling. No, she didn't. I'm somebody. Send me to voicemail call right back I don't don't have the humility of heart to be like oh maybe she's sharing the gospel with somebody right now maybe she's counseling somebody right now maybe she's dealing with something in the middle of her world right now all I see is me myself and my call getting sent to voicemail and that can't that is unacceptable because I'm somebody pride and disagrees with God Naaman's servants remind him of how easy it would be to just agree with God. Agree with the voice of the Lord. More than that, just be obedient, whether you agree with it or not. Do you know, we're not really called to agree with God in Scripture. 
There's not a lot of passages that says, thou shalt agree with the Lord thy God Almighty. No, obey. Just obey. And be thankful for the voices of reason in your life. As I said, you're going to turn your back and walk out on this opportunity because you're too good to just dip in the water seven times, man? Like, think about it. If he'd have asked you for something great, wouldn't you have done it? He just said, bring me a hundred Philistine heads. My boy had gone head shopping, you know? And he'd be like, here's your heads and your gifts, and I'm somebody still. What's up? Right? But this had to strip him of his pride because he got sent to voicemail and he got the word. And he's like, no, nah, I'm too good for that. I'm somebody. I ain't bathing in Jordan. What if the other people hear about me bathing in Jordan? The other people don't have leprosy. The other people aren't standing before God saying, please heal me. The other people aren't in your same position. So when God tells you to do something, it's on you to be obedient to him and walk in full surrender. You don't got to look to the left and the right. They reminded him, saying, if he had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. So you should definitely try this. You should try this. This is like set it and forget it, man. He's just asking you to fall in water seven times. Stand back up. It's not like, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like it's a heavy tax. Leprosy, that's pretty serious. You're not even going to try? You're just going to leave? And he washed and was cleansed wash and be cleansed oh believers that we would wash and be cleansed and walk in the fullness and obedience of christ and be his ambassador and be a representation of him in this last hour that those surrounded in darkness would be drawn to the light don't let pride rob you of that Naaman's pride, it had to be squashed so that he could walk in, a, in obedience to the word of God. He obeyed in humility and was healed. Pride disagreed with God. Humility surrendered and walked in obedience. God disagrees with pride. Not only will the pride in your life disagree with the things that God tells you to do, God disagrees with pride. Scripture tells us he, he resists the proud, but he gives mercy to the humble. That disagreement's both ways. Like, you're like, no, nah, God, I don't think I need to do that. He's like, cool, I'll just resist you. Number two, pride disobeys God. So the disagreement can lead to disobedience because I disagree with God and I'm somebody and that's not what I should have to do, I disobey. Sons of disobedience appointed under wrath without the covering of Christ. In Naaman, we see someone who allowed pride to put him in disagreement with God, but then he was ultimately obedient. See, if we don't deal with that disagreement, then we're gonna be walking in disobedience. That's, that's a progression. 
We don't have to agree with God to obey him. But it helps, you know. I'm being real with you. When God's like, hey, make this move. And you're like, right on. That's what I was hoping you'd say. It's a lot easier to be obedient. When he's like, hey, transfer schools and start over as a sophomore. It's like, I heard that wrong. We're going to have to get into some prayer time. I'm going to have to call my prayer warriors, put it up on Facebook. Hey, I'm going through some stuff. Unmentioned prayer requests. I really need this to shake out how I want it to. Because this obedience right here is going to get messy. It's going to mess my life up. It's going to mess my plans up. It's going to mess these things up that I got, that I got all situated. Obedience to God mess your life up. It'll make it messy here. There will be times of uncertainty here. There will be times of doubt here. But if there is a resolute confidence, faith in him, we continue to walk in obedience, in faith and surrender and repentance unto him, looking to the hills where our help comes from with the blessed hope that he is going to appear at the the sound of the horn of the archangel and come and put this whole world under his control and with that same authority do away with this weak and mortal body give me a glorified one like him and with him shall I ever be and that's my hope I don't want to be proud about the things I've done here I don't want anybody to think highly and great of me I just want to be an honorable servant before God What you think about me on Judgment Day doesn't matter. What he thinks about me matters. His judgment is final and perfect, flawless. And I submit to you, according to Scripture, that every time God presents himself before men and they fall on their face in fear and reverence, that they are stripped in that instant of all pride that they had going for them the second before. The angel of the Lord descends right now. Uh, we on our face. Nobody's feeling like there's somebody. Peter falls on his face. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And you know Peter had pride messed up. You see it all through his walk. It changes in the presence of the Lord. Don't let pride lead you into disobedience. When we consider Gaza, there, there's agreement with God, right? We see he agrees with God. He serves the man of God. But disobedience flows forth out of his pride of life. Naaman, he washes, instructed, he's healed. He returns to Elisha. He says, hey, it, it worked. I mean, I can't believe the dirty bathwater worked, but I'm healed, bro. And here are all these mighty, wonderful gifts you backwaters, hillbilly, take the gifts. I'm somebody still. You know, he, the, the pride's still there. Even though he obeyed, there's still a disagreement. Like, I got to suss this out. I got to fix this. You got to take these gifts because I'm somebody. I don't take things for free. I'm a conqueror. You, you live and die at my whim. I'm somebody. Elisha's like, nah, the Lord doesn't need your stuff. 
think the maker of heaven and earth, the one that upholds everything through the power of his word needs your shekels, your talents, or your clothes? No, you've been healed. God did this in your life. Take the dirt and head on back to the house. But Gehazi, he reasoned with himself. He said, hold up. Did you see all the stuff he had, though? Like a lot of money. He said, you know what? I think Elisha got it wrong. He was way too easy on this foreigner. This dude rolls up with all these aids, all these cool horses. I ain't never seen a chariot on 20s before. That joker was sweet. I don't know what all that's about. And he just going to get healed and walk off? Like, hold up. We got to fix this. Pride hides and false humility. Gehazi convinced himself that he was, read it, read it later. Gehazi convinced himself he was doing this for the Lord God Almighty. As sure as the Lord liveth, all caps, for Yahweh, the most supreme name that God gave them that the Israelites would not even speak. I'm going to do it for your glory. Elisha got it wrong, but don't worry. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm, I'm your backup. I'm going to run after him. I'm going to get this right for you, God. He runs after Naaman, and he accepts gifts for the glory of God. We put ourselves in a bad place when we see receive glory that is to be sent to God alone. That's New Testament, too, in case you're wondering. Check it out in Acts 11, 12. Herod Antipas, as the people were like, oh, this guy's so great, he must be a god. And all of a sudden, the angel of God appears, and he's just like <laughs> dead, eaten by worms. God's serious about his glory. He ain't sharing it with nobody. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need to share it. He is God Almighty. And if he reveals himself in his full glory, we are undone. He ain't sharing it. But Gehazi runs after, and, and he starts with a lie. Let me just give you some unsolicited advice. Anytime you're doing the work of the Lord, and it starts with a lie, just stop and start over. Just stop right there, go back, start over. Like, I'm a, soon as, the, as sure as the Lord lives, I'm going to do this for you, God. Hey, Naaman, some like prophets came out of nowhere and we're broke. We don't got nothing. Maybe a talent of silver, some clothes for him. Two pairs. I, I like to rotate outfits. Naaman's like, yes, by all means, come to me, Backwaters Hillbilly. I'm somebody. One talent, I'll give you double that because what's this to me? Here's your two outfits. I'll even have my servants carry it for you. I'm a man of renown. I was like, right on, doing God's work, getting paid. Do, do you think there was a point where he had a conviction of heart that said, look, this, this isn't God honoring? Do you think that he ignored it and let that false humility continue to deceive him, disagree with God's word, and lead him? into explicit disobedience. He accepts gifts and hides them away for himself. 
pride disobeys God. If our musician would come, please. Pride deceives and destroys us. Now, pride disagrees with God, pride disobeys God, but it deceives us and it destroys us. Stakes are high. But you know, as much as it'll deceive and destroy us, it never deceives God. He's never up there like, oh, did not know that. He knows my thoughts are far off before I think them. He knows where my heart is when I'm praying. God knows my heart, right? Very sobering statement. That means that nonsense that you're spitting that your friends are buying, he already knows is nonsense. Gehazi's pride of life deceived his mind. He's going to get these gifts for the glory of God. He was going to fix Elisha's mistake. There was a false humility that deceived him. I'm doing this for you, God. You're so righteous and just. I know we can't just be giving miracles away to foreigners. We can't just be healing these people outside of the Israelite community. So I'm going to run after this foreigner. I'm going to make it right for you, God. I'm going to do this for you. Yahweh, don't you worry about it. I got your back. I know you just healed this man of leprosy. I know you brought our ancestors up out of Egypt. I know you led them as a pillar of fire and a cloud. I know that you parted the Red Sea and they crossed on dry ground. I know all these things, but I got your back. I'm going to help this. I'm going to go make this right for you, God. As if God were somehow deficient and couldn't have just brought all the stuff to Elisha if Elisha if he wanted Elisha to have it. I mean, if we he had a double portion of Elijah, right? And God had, you know, ravens drive, driving Grubhub for Elijah, dropping off meat and bread for him. Ravens don't do that. If there was something that Elisha was supposed to have under the provision of God, it would be there. We're not walking in a deficit in the temporal sense. We're walking in a deficit of faith and it manifests itself in us having to hold on to these things so that we can appear to the world to be somebody. Again, I don't care what they think of me here. I care what he thinks of me. I want us to grasp the absurdity of how he deceived himself. God, whose name is too holy to say, I'm going to disobey you and I'm going to lie to this guy for your glory. Deceived. He took the gifts and hid them. So he wasn't so deceived that he thought it was an honorable thing to do. He knew in his heart of hearts that it was deceptive, that it was disagreement with God, and that it was disobedience to God. He went and he hit him. If it was such a righteous thing to do, why'd he hide the gifts? Why didn't he come back and say, Elisha, look, I, may, I, know, I know you messed up, bud, but I got your back. Look what I got for us. God told me to. I was operating in obedience to the Lord. As, soon, as, as the Lord lives, I do this for you deceived Elisha asks where he's been he says oh I didn't go anywhere 
Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? Weren't we in perfect relationship? Didn't I give you one simple command? Because of this disobedience, you will be judged. And Elisha, the voice of the Lord on earth, says, where have you been? I didn't go anywhere. Elisha said to Gehazi, was not my spirit with you when the man stepped down off his chariot? God's not deceived. We walk in deception when we allow pride to rule. We walk unto destruction when we allow pride to rule. Pride in itself disagrees with God. It disobeys God. It beckons us unto deception and leads us into destruction. What do we do? Wash and be cleansed. Wash and be cleansed. Identify it when it creeps in. Say, whoa, I'm disagreeing with God. What could, is that pride in my life? Oh, I'm moving in disobedience to God. Is there pride in my life? I'm deceiving myself. I'm allowing myself to deceive myself because I'm the best liar to myself that I've ever met in myself. Self, 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 self. What do we do? We rip that pride off of the throne of our life and repent and say, God, take the throne of my life that I may walk in clarity and obedience to you, Lord, in full surrender, walking in the fullness of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, being a representative for you, walking faithful in the assignment that you have given me unto the day that you have perfected my faith you have started a good work in me and you are faithful to your word so I know you're gonna finish it till the day that you return. It's what we do. Don't disagree with God. Don't disobey God. Don't walk in deception towards destruction. Wash and be cleansed, believers. Wash and be cleansed. somewhere between I am nobody and I am somebody there is the believer's mantra I am his I'm his Jason what a timely powerful word uh, starting with the preachers to everyone for God to resist me means that there's something predominant in me that he doesn't like but he gives grace to the humble so what do you do if you're successful what do you do if you're intelligent what do you do if you're wealthy what if people admire you you take a step back listen listen and you tell God and others this one phrase you first to the Lord be all glory, honor, and praise. To someone 
less than you or equal to you or better. You first. You first. Greatness steps backwards. True greatness kneels. You first. Lord, you first. That's why when I tell you when we give this symbol of my work week, Lord, before I would ever take care of myself, you first. When we see others, as often as you have opportunity, do good to all people, especially those in the household of faith. You first. Pride can't live in an environment where there's no oxygen of me first. God didn't want you to ignore your needs, but let God and others go first. Would you stand with me this morning? Jason, thank you again for the preparation and the word. Would you honor God one more time for that word this morning? I want us to close with a, a song of, it's just beautiful melody to the Lord. Another thing that assaults pride. Anytime you say, no, you first, that, that assaults pride. But when I worship and praise him, I put him as preeminent. The only I am somebody is I'm somebody in you, but you are all together it. You are the final say. You're the, the destination. You're it, God. And when my soul bows itself, see, you can bow your heart while standing up. And I just thought this song, when Jason told me what he was uh, preaching on this week, and I love talking to shop with him, and we bounce ideas off one another, and then we realized Jason had 30 pages. We said, don't do that to him, Jason. Don't give him the whole load. But uh, I just thought this song would compliment, and I asked him, did he have anything to play at the end? And he said, no, please feel free. So I want to give you a chance now, having heard what you've heard, for all of my quiet worshipers, I can still be a quiet person and worship with all my strength. You see? I picked a very simple song, and I want you to assault your pride and give the Lord glory with this. The lyrics will be on the screen, and this will be our closing song this morning.
Somebody say amen this morning. As you go out from this place this morning, let these words be on your mouth. You first. You first, Lord. You first, brother. Hey, sis, you first. You first. If you take the back seat, there'll come a day at the wedding supper when he'll pull you from the back to the front to a seat of honor. We don't want no pride, Jay. Have a wonderful Lord's Day today. God bless you.